the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Good to be with you. We talk about the issues of the day from 3 to 5 on a, in a Christian perspective. That's what we do. And one of the things about being a, a Christian is that you've got a job. You are in the workplace. Many of you are anyway. And so I have a guest with us who's going to talk to us about being a Christian in the workplace. You might already know her as the termite lady. My guest is Sue Freeze. She is the, uh, what's your role at E. coli? You're the uh, president. You're the CEO, emperor. What, what do you call yourself? I there? am the president ceo owner and chief bottle washer and chief bottle washer yes at e. i do anything and everything that needs to get done because i want to set the good example at ecola termite and pest control yes and you also know her from the sue freeze show that is right here on kkla that you've been hosting since 2010 i know it's crazy it's crazy it's and, crazy and our listeners would love to know that you also are an american bandstand dancing champion and you won a car for on those, american bandstand for those that are old enough to know what American Bandstand is and Dick Clark, yes. yes. Yes, and what kind of car did you win? It was a Chevette, not a Corvette. It was a Chevette, and I never even sat in it. I had sold it before it even came because I already had a car. So, yeah. But it was a wonderful experience. You know, some of these big experiences we experience thinking it's just one of many and it might be the highlight of our lives, and we don't know at the time it was a highlight, and it is a highlight. Yeah. And it's one of those trivial things. Tell us something about that nobody knows, you know, and, right. and I tell that and they go, what? Yeah, so it's kind of fun. <laughs> I think that's great. A, yes. lot of, a lot of people do that, too, because you've got to pay the taxes and there's all oh, kinds of other yes you know, it was hard to uh, you know to get a car when oprah gave everybody a car they all found out that she also gave them a tax bill yes right? exactly although she paid uh-huh. it so good for her well that was I, nice i bet dick clark didn't pay the tax no bill. he didn't yeah no. uh, that didn't happen <laughs> well welcome to the pastor scott show it's great to have you on here and i hear your show right here on uh, kkla uh the sue freeze show you know, how did you get into the uh, termite business? You became the termite lady. It's termitelady.com if people want to find your business. Yes, I was. Uh, I got into the business. I married into it. My husband's father was in it. Uh, they owned Hydrix Pest Control, which is a franchise. And those in California, they probably know it's Big Black Widow Spider. Right. And uh, I, I wanted to be in ministry with my husband. And he got a call from his dad two weeks after we got married. And his dad said that his partner that he was in business with wanted to get out. And so my husband, I can remember it plain as day, turns to me at the kitchen table of our townhome and he said, hey, you know how you said you wanted to work with me? Um, well, you can come and we can do this business together. You want to do it? And I said, well, what's involved? You're already a fireman. You're gone three nights a week. What's the involvement? I mean, what is what is our commitment? And he said, oh, for at first we're going to be working pretty hard just to get it together. And then we'll just go hand out the checks and whatnot. And that was many moons ago. And that never happened to where we just, mm. you know, sat back and, you know, 
it's been 16-hour days and whatnot. Yeah. And then in 2000, I had the opportunity to buy my own company, um, E. coli Termite, from Hydrex for 20 years. I was operations manager of that. I learned how to answer phones, who my customer was. I was talking to the wives, the mothers, and I realized what their concerns were because I was a wife and I was a mother. So yeah. I understood who I was talking to. And so I took that to my new company and I, I made sure that everybody um, was caring about mother approved and caring about the welfare of the family, the environment. Uh, my son was born two years into it was asthmatic. And so we had to come up with another way, an alternative way of getting rid of the bugs. And so we did. And Ecola is the company that does that. And so I wrote a book about it also. Yeah, well, good for you. I think it's uh, it's great to see how you're doing with all that. Well, I want to talk to you about, we'll come back to the, the business in a little bit, but uh, you're also a follower of Jesus. You Amen. love the Lord. I do. And, you know, it's something that so many people listening ask, you know, how do I, how am I a Christian in the workplace? What do I do? And a, and a challenge that a lot of people have today is that sometimes in church, you know, we, we get very involved in church, mm-hmm. and that becomes our, our ministry. Right. And that's fine. And church needs you, and they need people. Absolutely. Right, to do things, for sure. But for, sure. for all of us are called to ministry wherever God has planted us. That's so right. So what's that been like for you? Going to church, but also uh, running E. Cola and uh, your radio show. How do you minister, you know, as a follower of Christ? How do you see the Lord calling you to make disciples through all this? Well, I I say, and I I didn't come up with this phrase, but bloom where you're planted. That's number one. And number two is, is when I got involved, when I um, got the opportunity to buy E. cola from two men, um, I had this dilemma. I was I was full on involved in the church at that time, and I had multiple ministries that I was involved in: music, drama, usher team, and spiritual gifts, and finding out where people should serve and what their gifts are, and and how they could help with the church. And um, it became obvious that taking on this endeavor of buying this large company, that I was not going to be able to divide myself up and be able to do it well, which God is calling us to the best of the best. We, we need to give our best for God. That's right. And that's a biblical principle, is that no matter what you're put to, you do it to the best of your ability for God, not for your boss, not for anybody else, but for God. And so we give our best. So that's number one. That's a principle. So when I did that, I was praying one day and I I had to call my pastor and tell him I had to step down and this is why. And I cried because I loved what I was doing and my kids were always there and it was just wonderful. But I knew that I, in order to to commit and do a good job, I had to back out of responsibility and commitments. And so I did it right. And then the Lord spoke to me after I was so sad about it, even though I was excited and nervous about my new endeavor that God placed me in, that um, he, he just kind of said to me that your employees are your new ministry, that we can minister no matter where we are, what we're doing. We bloom where we're planted, and we minister to anybody and everybody that needs ministered to, which is everybody, by the way. And so that's what I've done, and my employees have been my ministry, and it's been a wonderful and trying time. But yeah. it's what we've done, and it's been a great a great journey. I think it's a... You know, the church obviously needs people to serve in the church. And being a pastor for 25 years, you know, I'm not telling you you should stop doing stuff at your church. No, you need to do that. But some people don't, mm-hmm. right? There, it, it is a – we are called, like you say, bloom where you're planted. I like that one too. Mm-hmm. And we're called to make disciples. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we are not called specifically to run a nonprofit organization we call the church. 
Right. Right. The church right. is just a tool that we use to reach the people that we actually work with, the mm-hmm. people that we're interacting with. And yes. I think for a lot of people listening, that's good to hear because the ministry for all of us is with the people that God has placed in our lives, wherever that might be. Right. Some of the biblical principles that we um, we really endorse is that uh, those that do well well with little get more. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, an example of that is our trucks. We buy trucks and we give them to the people that have done well with the truck they've been given before. Um, I have a guy that's been with me for years and years and years, and just yesterday we gave him a brand new truck. And he's been with me for over 20 years, and he goes, this is the first new truck I've got. He's service manager, and he's really just stepped up to the plate. And he's so gracious and so thankful to have a new truck. And what we do is we tell them that we keep trucks about seven years. And if you take care of this truck, this truck could actually, you get first dibs on this truck when we sell it. You could actually own this truck. So if you take really good care of it, then you're going to have a better truck than if you don't take care of it. Mm-hmm. So that's taking care of little and getting more. And, yeah. and so that's a biblical principle that we put into action. You know, that is a, that's a great idea yeah. with that. You, do you have – when you talk about those things and your employees – and you have a radio show, SueFreeze.com, so people can people who work for you can listen to that show. And that some do, yeah. yes. And uh, what kind of feedback do you get from your employees? Oh, they'll come back and say, oh, I loved what you said. And I talk about my employees on the show, and I tell them that. I was like, <laughs> if you want to know what I'm talking about, you should listen, because it might be you. Yeah. You know, because um, I learn from from our employees and from our customers. There's just life lessons that we learn every day. And when I'm getting ready to do my show, I'm always taking into consideration the lessons that God's teaching me. And um, when I share it, I like to cross a line of relationship because I learn things in the business world, which is, you know, it, it's not really a man's world, but it is a man's world as far as business. And I, I don't mean to offend any woman out there, but um, I just feel like, uh, I have to put on the man hat when I'm working. I have to put things in compartments. I have to say, I can't deal with that right now because I don't have the luxury to feel right now. And God has created women to feel. They're emotional, not that men aren't, but that women deal with things differently. They are nurturers. They they have things that God has placed on their heart and they're better at multitasking. I think women might be better. In fact, I've proven that in my in my own workplace that women are better multitaskers than men and you know when you have multiple children you've got to you got to have a hand a hand a knee and a knee and you're you're juggling a lot and i'm not i'm not and men are hunters they go out and they hunt and they they have to be leaders and they need to make decisions and hopefully they take into account and consideration the wife because you know that helps with the submissiveness of a wife is to understand um, that it's easier for us as women to submit to our man. I don't know where this is coming from, but somebody needs to hear it, obviously. Thank you, Lord. Um, but it's easier for a woman to submit when the man is submitting to God. And if a man is submitting to God, he's to love his wife like God loves the church, right? right? So if that's the case, then if that man is loving his wife like God loves the church, he sacrificed for the church. And so the man is supposed to sacrifice for the wife, meaning take into consideration the, the wiseness of a woman, if that's a word, so that he can make the best decision because he's put in this headship for a reason. But as a woman in a business world, CEO, owner, I am the decision maker and I am put in a position of understanding what it's like to be uh, a man, you know, because I'm dealing with things from a man's perspective. I have to put things in a box. I don't have the luxury to feel and 
and do all that. But I have nurturing abilities that maybe a man doesn't have in the workplace. I love my employees. I care for my employees in a way that people come back later and say, you know, what you said or what you did changed my life forever. And to me, there is nothing greater than that to impact people in such a magnitude to where you're not just successful, but you're making a significant difference in this world. And that's what I want to do in my workplace and on the radio is to impact people to where they can understand the fullness of what God has for them. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Sue Freeze. You know her on KKLA as the Termite Lady, and termitelady.com is the website for E. coli, termite, and pest control. And uh, she also has the Sue Freeze Show. It's, you can learn more at suefreeze.com. It's so interesting hearing you talk about that from a business perspective. I've had the benefit of being in business and in ministry, and, and I'm a dad, and I'm a man, mm-hmm. and uh you know, when you were talking about one of the reasons I think that you're successful also, though, is that nurturing part, you listen to customers mm-hmm. well enough to say, oh, this is what customers actually are calling about. Yeah, right? This what is what they need. Are, yeah. yeah. And that, that matters a lot. Yes, it yeah. does. It does. You know, I mean, who doesn't want to be heard? Yeah. Right. Everybody wants to be heard. And, and sometimes people are misunderstood and it could be because they weren't really heard. So it's important that we take the time to listen to people and, and hear what their concerns are. And what I say when I'm on the air and I'm talking to people about E. coli is that we individualize the best solution for their individual needs because they're not all the same. We might think they are. I mean, they've got bugs. OK, they've got bugs. Mm-hmm. But their c- concerns might be different than next door. So we have to take into consideration what's important to each individual home and family. Yeah. Are there particular bugs that scare you? Like, do you have nightmares about a certain kind of spider or a rodent? No, I don't have nightmares. I I actually see dollar signs, and I'm just being real, is that when there's a termite problem or whatnot, I mean, it's good. So you love it. like, yeah, I do. I mean, I get what you but mean. But I have but, to tell yeah. you that I think they take revenge on me. Like if there's bees around, they find me because right. they know who I am and they want to take revenge. So, And same with ants and bugs and stuff. Everybody laughs at me because I, I squeal just like the next person about <laughs> bugs. I don't like them. I don't like them. They have a reason for being, but they don't have to be in my living quarters. They yeah. don't have to be where I am. They can be out there somewhere. That, that's what I agree with that completely. Yes. 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 Uh, I did a sermon one time where I said something about how I wish that God would take away the gnats because I have these gnats like buzzing around my room keeping me up. This guy came over to me afterward and goes, you know, actually, if there were no gnats, and it gives me the whole scientific reason why we'd all be dead if there were no gnats. Really? Like, okay, yeah. I really wasn't saying all of that, right. but uh, you gotcha. know, you're, you're correct about that. For sure. You know, you also, in your business, you don't... You don't uh, hide your faith in your business. And, no, I don't. And I, maybe that's the wrong term because I don't think that everybody, you know, everybody listening who's in business, you're, you're not hiding your faith. Maybe you just haven't found a way to express it or there's different ways to do it. But in your company, you put it right on the envelope. I do. I say in God we trust on the envelope. And yeah. um, I've lost customers over that. And I'm okay with that. I think, you know, there's all types of people and beliefs out there. But I think each person has to individually decide what they stand for. I think everybody in this world, we all bleed the same. Mm -hmm. We all bleed the same. When you cut, you bleed, and we all bleed the same. I love everybody. I trust everybody until they give me reason not to. And I, I guard myself because I, you know, there's a lot coming at us every day. So I would just say that 
in God we trust, it's on our money, and it should always be on our money because it is what we are founded on. It's our country. And I'm not going to hide that. I'm going to be bold in that, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong. You know, I do have a radio show. I do have a platform. I've been doing it a long time. And I had a decision to make, and I asked the Lord this question, you know, do I go down this political world, or do, you know, what do you want me to do, God? Mm-hmm. And even though I do have an opinion on politics, and I, I have my thoughts and my feelings on this, and I'm pretty strong in my faith, and I'm strong in my belief system. But God kind of put me in a lane of saying what's more important, politics or salvation. And for me, mine is salvation. I want people to find God. I want them to understand the healing power and knowing his love for us because I went through that. I've been through a lot in my life, as we all have stories to tell, and that if it wasn't for the Lord and my personal relationship I don't know where I would be, and I don't know who I would be. But yeah. I know that because I have gone through what I've gone through, and and God's love and favor over my life has put me where I am, that um, I just don't know any other way. And so I'm just going to be true to who I am. And I, I would say any listener out there that you need to be true. Just know who you are. Know who you are. And if you like who you are, be proud of it. If you don't like, then, you know, do something about it. How do you help people not worry about what other people think? I think that's what prevents people maybe from taking a stand on you know, what they believe or putting it out there is that they're so we're so worried about this other person and what they're going to think. And we forget right. that we're supposed to please God, not that person. That's right. And um, I think God has given me discernment and sensitivities to people and where they are. And sometimes people will respond or react in a way. And even though I don't understand it, I'm called to love thy neighbor as thyself, to love God first and love thy neighbor as thyself. How do we show love? How do we show love? Does it mean just take whatever's given our way? Or, you know, I I like to think that I am a tough love person, that I will have those tough love conversations out of love. And sometimes they're hard to have. But I know that every single time I have prevented or avoided those love, tough love conversations, that when I finally got the courage or the boldness or the timing was right for me to have that conversation, ask yourself this, when you put things off that need to be dealt with, When you finally get to it, there's usually an understanding or something that's positive out of it. And you ask yourself, why did you wait so long Mm -hmm. to have that conversation? Whether it's maybe this isn't the right job for you. You know, I hold on to people too long. That is something. I asked my bookkeeper. She's been with me 22 years. I've been in this business. I mean, I've been in the business 43 years, but I've been in this company 23 years. And I asked her, I said, what would you say is my, my weakness? Where is my weakness? And you know what she said to me? She says, Susie, you care too much. I said, I'll take that to the grave. <laughs> if that's what people are going to say is my biggest negative, that I care too much, I'm all right with that. Yeah, I'm really all right with that. Yeah, that's pretty good. Well, it's great that so. people know that. And I think that's something that as Christians, whatever you're doing in the workplace, you may not be in the role where you can put something on the envelope or, or do right. anything. But is your reputation one where people look at you and go, that person's serious about their faith. You know, yeah. that if I had a problem, that might be the person I call. Right. right. That's the person I want around. That, I think, is what people should think of us in the workplace or wherever we're at in the marketplace. Maybe you don't work. Maybe you're at home or maybe you do, you're a student or you Wherever you else. are, you have a reason for being. Yeah. And uh, you, you just need to know who you are and why you're here. That was something that I cried out when I was about 12 years old. I remember going, God, who am I and why am I here? 
and when I got a hold of the affirmations of I am's of, you know, we are, you know, I am victorious. I am a ambassador to Christ. I am, I am, I am. You can get that on my website, suefreeze.com. Um, it, it's really good to know who you are and that uh, the victory is ours. And so what do you want to be victorious over? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it just uh, let people know about your show, your show, The Sue Freeze Show. It's not just on KKLA. It's actually no. on uh, Salem stations uh, all over Southern California. Actually, country, too. I'm on eight different stations now, and I cover from San Diego to San Luis Obispo, just like my uh, company does. We have seven offices with E. coli, termite, and pest control, and uh, the radio station is, is, is covering the same exact area and also with the internet, I'm all over the world. I have people from Paris and Rome and, and all over the place listening to the show online. Mm-hmm. So it's really amazing to feel that significance, that impact that is uh, being made by me being um, obedient to what God has directed me to do. I never in a million years, Scott, that I would be on the radio or writ- write a book. I've written two books and I'm working on my third. And I would never think if somebody would have said that I was doing those things, I would have said, Really? Yeah. No, I never thought in a million years I would be doing these things, but there's a reason for it. Well, Sue, I want to thank you for being on our show. It certainly God has blessed uh, what you're doing. Thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it, Scott. Thank you so uh, much. You can uh, learn more about Sue Freeze by going to Sue Freeze. Looks like fries. Yes. You probably get called fries all the time. All the time. Yeah. SueFreeze.com and, of course, TermiteLady.com for your pest control needs. Check it out from E. Cola, Termite and Pest Control. Just a funny note my maiden name had burger in it, so I tell people I went from burger to fries. (laughs) That's a good good one we'll have to remember that for the yes. next time sue freeze thanks for being with us on the pastor god scott bless show you, scott god bless Appreciate you it. everybody we'll be back as the pastor scott show continues we'll be right back you're listening to the pastor scott show podcast have any questions or comments email pastor scott now at pastor scott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m now back to the show Everybody, welcome back. Pastor Scott Show. Going to be with you today. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. Is it too early to say Merry Christmas? I've been thinking about that because Thanksgiving was so early. It's still November. It's 73 degrees outside and it feels great. And I had this weekend, I said to somebody, uh, Happy Thanksgiving. And I felt weird about that. Like, because Thanksgiving is over. It's a couple days before. It's, by the way, because so many of you called. Last night, I went home to have the leftovers, the Thanksgiving leftovers. Yesterday on the show, we talked about leftovers, and somehow the conversation turned into many of you concerned, and you wrote, and you called in, worried about whether or not I should eat those leftovers and what I should do with them, because they were five days old. And, uh, you know, what? I got them on Wednesday, and it was Monday, right? And, you know, I ate them Sunday night. It was great. I almost brought them for lunch on uh, Monday, and then I went home. I got home kind of late, six thirty, seven o'clock, and I I put a plate together of the the uh, turkey and ham and the sweet potatoes and the uh, stuffing and a lot of gravy, and I put it on there, popped it in the microwave, heated it up, waited till it was sizzling, took it out, and but the entire time in my mind, I'm thinking about: Is this bad? Am I going to get sick? And I'll tell you what, it didn't taste good. And I don't know, was that psychological or was that like it had actually gone bad? Anyway, just to let you know, since you were worried about me, is uh, uh, I tossed it. It's gone. And uh, it's a shame. I should have froze it right away. That's what I should have done. But I didn't do that anyway. And I ate an egg. Uh, So I said happy Thanksgiving to somebody last weekend. 
and I felt weird. And then so later on, I said Merry Christmas to somebody. So I figured, okay, we've transitioned now. The Thanksgiving is over. And most people think it's okay to put your decorations up after Thanksgiving. Although I'll tell you what, we have our, our Thanksgiving, uh, our Christmas decorations were up November, first week of November. And I'm okay with that. I didn't used to be okay with that, but it's grown on me. I think COVID did that to me. I remember during the 2020, right, that year and the lockdowns and just the misery of all of it. Um, I remember thinking, you know what, this year I'm going to do Christmas well. I'm going to, we're going to play the carols. We're going to go caroling. We're going to have figgy pudding or figure out what that even is. Whatever the things are, we're going to do all of it. And I'm going to put up the lights and I'm going to do all this stuff. And I remember, and that year we put them up early and I was happy about it. Christy likes to get them done early because then they're done. I'm always like, yeah, but that means I got to get them from the garage and do all of that. And and we have one of those, we have one of those uh, trees, those fake trees. And I got to be honest, the fake tree we have now is great. It's that sucker is up in like three seconds, and I I I don't want to do it every year. And then I it takes five seconds to do it, or three, and uh, then I feel like I was stupid for not wanting to do it. And then she you know gets it already. But our previous fake tree was horrible. I sinned a lot while I was putting that tree up. I said a lot of things, you know, that uh, I shouldn't say. And uh, so we've gotten past that. All that's to say is during the COVID, we somewhere in October, we escaped to an Airbnb and it was in Tustin and there's a car dealership and they had, this is October of 2020, they had not only all the lights up, but they blew right past Christmas and it said, Happy New Year. They were just ready to be done with 2020. And I appreciated that. I thought those people are right on. That's how we all feel right there. Uh, so getting back to here we are, 2023, is it too early to say Merry Christmas? Are you saying that to people when you go out shop or you go someplace? Are you saying Merry Christmas? 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. And I'm curious, is it weird to feel like that's too early? I'm not against saying Merry Christmas, by the way. And that's another question I have. Is that still a thing? Are we, you know, culturally, I remember a few years ago, there was the, you know, the war on Christmas, and, you know, Christmas was taken off of so many things and replaced with holiday or something else, right? You couldn't go to your, your favorite coffee shop and they always had the Christmas blend and they got rid of that. It was the holiday blend, even though it was the same thing. And I always thought that's silly. Everybody knows it's Christmas. All the songs say Christmas and you would, you can't get Christ out of Christmas. You can pretend it's not there or you can celebrate another holiday or something, but still in the in the culture and around the world there's Christmas. And I've noticed that those same coffee shops, I think without any fanfare, even the big corporate ones, they seem to have the Christmas blends back. Some of them have a winter blend or there's a holiday blend, but also there's a Christmas blend. I've seen that sneak in uh, here and there. And uh, I think it's because it's kind of a ridiculous thing. Like if you're, if you're not, it's a it's obviously a Christian holiday, although so many people, there's obviously a secular side to it, the Santa Claus and all this stuff, right? But you can't get away from the name Christmas. You can't get away from the stories and the songs and the joy of the season and what all the symbolism is and how that's developed over the years. You really, you really can't. You can say, I don't believe it, and you can say, that's not for me, or maybe you celebrate something else in a different faith, but I don't feel like saying Merry Christmas is offensive the way it was. Am I wrong about that? Is that still a thing? I just, when I say it, I don't, I don't feel the tension that I'm ticking off whatever person. Where a few years ago, if you went to the store and you said Merry Christmas, you know, that person might look at you and get mad. You're not allowed to say that. I, I don't know. 
Am I wrong? Maybe I'm wrong about that. Anyway, I think that's come back. I think you should say Merry Christmas. I think it's, it's cheery. I think we need in our day and age something that is uplifting. And if you're, you want to say something different back, I think that's okay too. Happy Hanukkah. Oh, Merry Christmas. You know, fine. You know, I think uh, that that works. Do you feel like it's too early, though, for that? Uh, is, should there be a limit to all of this stuff? 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We're on each and every day from 3 to 5 right here on this station. And uh, you can follow me at Pastor Scott Show if you got social media. I'm just curious about that. I, have you ever gotten an argument about saying Merry Christmas somewhere? Has it caused you grief? Uh, have you ever had that happen, Wilbert? Uh, gotten into an argument with yeah. someone about yeah, or had just like a weird moment because you said Merry Christmas and they were got grumpy. I always feel weird, so I, I tend to go to a coffee establishment uh, with a, you know, known for their mermaid on their cup. Uh-huh. And every time they say Happy Holidays, I, I automatically respond Merry Christmas. Right. So, and, But do I, they get mad or are they just like fine? They're fine with it most of the time. I have gotten a weird look. Yeah. Once, <laughs> but I, I've been there before. The, the place with the mermaid. We'll just yes. call it what it is, St. Arbucks. St. Arbucks, there you go. So you go into St. Arbucks, and uh, did you, I don't, I'll bet a lot of people don't realize that's a mermaid. There's, the old logo is, I don't know if you, it's just different. Probably good that they got rid of that. Um, <laughs> now people are going to be like, no, don't, don't do that. Uh, but I, I think that it's, in one hand, I'm a little worried. I, I, maybe worried is not the right term. I'm concerned that we're losing the the spirit of Christmas. It, it comes in the songs too. Wasn't there a whole thing with uh, maybe it's cold outside? Oh, they got ago? rid of that song a couple of years ago. The song's been sung for a hundred years. Suddenly, uh, we can't sing that. Well, not a hundred years, but they didn't like it because uh, it was part of the Me Too movement. Yes, you know the same group of people who uh, don't seem to mind all the Hamas raping today. They had a big problem with that song. Maybe it's cold outside. And got that song canceled. Yeah, so it does it, it kind of follows in that same footstep. It's like it, I get where people are coming from, but at the same time, it's not done maliciously. It's not done like that. It's just a, a way of saying, you know, enjoy your holidays. Yeah, I, I think that we have a, a, a culture that and maybe we're going to push back. I'm, I'm divided on where all this messiness is headed, right? Uh, I was watching somebody talk about the 2024 coming up and the protesting season is going to be outrageous in 2024. I thought that's kind of funny. We're all kind of expecting something, right? But then I'm I'm wondering, are we really headed that way? Or maybe we're going to take a pause in our culture's uh, diving into its own destruction with all of this. Is it possible that we're going to step back and say, you know what, I am getting – you know, bothered by things that never in the history of mankind have bothered people, and maybe I shouldn't. Is that possible when we see the violence and we see the insanity that's going on in the world today? Is it possible that maybe rather than destruction, which, I mean, we're headed for destruction. No, don't, don't misunderstand me. That's, that's where we're headed. But I do think it's possible that we would pull out of that. I think it's possible that we would actually, as a culture, and this is something to pray about, something I pray for, that maybe there's great revival coming, that maybe as a culture, we are going to say, you know what, there is actual truth out there. 
that many of the things that we have been taught, our educational system, are so many things that were being said, that maybe it's time to take a step back and say, we need to we need to repent. Like, we may not use that word right away, but we need to change direction. We need to say, you know what, I think that this is a time for us to take a knee, right, and be penitent. Now, the problem in our culture is we forgot what direction to be penitent toward. We forgot that you know, yes, there's a time to to repent, that that is something that we should do, that that will bring you joy in life, that that will bring you to a better place in life. When you And especially when you recognize that when you, you turn to the living God, when you turn to Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you are saved, that you have value, that you have forgiveness, that you have – that whatever it is that has gone on in your life – those things were, the bad things were nailed to the cross, and that now you have purpose, you have family, an eternal family of the kingdom of God, when you accept Jesus as your Savior, and it gives you permission to do the right thing. And it also, I think, gives you the permission to not get offended by everything. That's another, I think for everybody, that's a thing. But I think for Christians, we need to not be offended either. You know, if somebody is offended by us, well, let's try not to be offended back. Let's try to figure out, well, where are you going with that? Like, let's try to have that conversation. So if you say Merry Christmas and somebody's bothered by that, maybe the response isn't to just get angry back at them. I think that's the wrong response. I think the response is to say, you know what? You must have something going on. Maybe uh, I should listen to you and figure out what that is and then pray for you or even pray with you. That might bother them even further, but represent Christ with what you're going to do. All right, this is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And uh, you can follow me right now at Pastor Scott Show, Facebook, X, and Instagram. You can also watch our show right now at kkla.com on our live stream. You can check that out every day. We'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Take a look at this. This funny-looking license plate didn't fool the cops. Police in the Bay Area arrested a suspected car thief accused of duct taping a forged license plate. Authorities say the female suspect wrote the numbers with black marker. Making matters worse, the expiration date on the phony tag expired. That, that was a story. That just made me laugh. So somebody steals a car, and they want to cover up the license plate, I guess, to cover up the crime. And what they did was they grabbed a piece of, like, copy paper and a, a Sharpie, and they wrote a fake license number and cut it out into a rectangle, the right size, and then drew the expiration date tag, still in the black Sharpie, <laughs> the month, and they literally put it in the license plate frame, and that was supposed to fool the police. And uh, I just thought, what are you, five? That's you know, that's like, uh, you know, that's a funny story. That's really funny. If you get a chance to Google that later on, you know, check it out. Uh, maybe we'll put it on our social media at Pastor Scott Show. It uh, It is such a, uh, it's just a funny thing to do. This is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We're talking about Merry Christmas and uh, sort of some history about that. And you know, people get offended by uh, that. I don't think it's as much as it used to be. It's kind of where I'm coming from. I think that people have sort of backed off of all of that. But it reminded me about how we need to be a people who 
don't get offended so easily by things. And we're in a culture that wants to get offended all the time. And we we sort of pride ourselves on getting offended. And we've come to a place where if you're offending me, then you have to stop doing whatever you're doing, even if that thing you're doing has nothing to do with me. But if it bugs me, you know, if I'm offended by your beliefs, if I'm offended by some practice you have, if I'm offended by something that you do personally, then uh, you have to stop doing it. Like it gets a that gets to be really crazy, right? Because pretty soon you can't do anything because everybody's going to be bothered by something. But, you know, one of my favorite uh, books of the Bible, especially to teach from, is the book of Ecclesiastes, which you should read it. You should read the whole book in one setting, though, you know, and make sure you study the whole book. If you read just like the first three chapters, you'll be sad and depressed. Read the whole book. It's actually very, very hopeful. It puts all of life into perspective and it's the right perspective to have. And it talks about so many things that we have in life um, about being offended. If you ever had an opportunity to be offended and then you chose not to be offended and it worked out really well. You know, I found that when I'm particularly when I am sitting down with somebody who's uh, not a Christian, often they'll swear or something. And not that Christians don't swear. Like when I put up Christmas tree lights, I say some words I shouldn't say. But normally I don't. Um, and I hardly ever do, actually. Just never been a thing for me. And so, and then as pastor, of course, people get kind of weird about that. So somebody will say a word or something, and they'll usually say, I don't mean to offend you. And, you know, I've always thought, well, it's not really about offending me. You know, it's it's about offending God, ultimately, when the, thing, when the things that we say or things that we do. But I shouldn't be offended. If I got offended, then I can't really sit with that person, right? I can't have coffee with somebody who's really struggling with something in their life when if I were to get offended because every other word is the F word or something. And I'll tell you what, I know some guys. I know a guy who he has been in and out of prison. He calls it his prison career. And he speaks with prison language, all right? He's got a testimony, though. He got saved. I baptized him. Great story. Can't really have him give his testimony in church. And, you know, and I couldn't have him give his testimony on this show because the FCC would shut us down. It's a great story, but every other word is the F word. And it's really hard for him. to. <laughs> he's, he's working on it, right? But if I got offended by this guy's language, then I couldn't talk to him. Then, you know, if Christians are always offended by other people's sin, whatever that is, then we can't have the relationship that's necessary for disciple making. You know, part of the reason that we shouldn't curse as Christians is because we don't want to offend others because people do get offended by that. Or people often don't want to be friends with you or hang out with you if if your language is embarrassing. And there are times, right, where it's just there are problems. But here's a, here's a, a verse for you from Ecclesiastes. Um, Ecclesiastes 7, verse 21 and 22. And I love this. Do not pay attention to every word people say, or you may hear your servant cursing you. Uh, some some uh, versions say, do not be offended to the words that other people say. And, you know, what's funny is because it puts it this way. It says, or you may hear your servant cursing you. Verse 22, for you know in your heart many times you yourself have cursed others. You know, it it puts it in perspective, doesn't it? That, you know, we've said things about others or to others that would have offended them. And you got to be careful about eavesdropping or really getting offended by the things people say, because sometimes we say stuff. You know, what do you do when you find out that somebody is slandering you? You know, do you get offended? You want to seek and destroy, right? That's what you want to do. But, you know, when you're slandered or when somebody just does something that offends you, 
don't get bent out of shape about it. Because the fact is, is that you've offended other people in ways that maybe you didn't even know you did it. And no one is spotless here. It's take the log out of your own eye thing, right? Uh, it is something that is about the wisdom that we should have in our relationships with each other, which is something that you get in the book of Ecclesiastes, it's just brilliant. Verse 23, all this I tested by wisdom, and I said, I'm determined to be wise. Uh, but this was beyond me. Solomon, who I think wrote this, uh, who did everything wrong, right? He's the wisest guy there is, but he set out to figure out what's wise and what isn't, and he did. And he tried everything in the world for pleasure. He tried everything in the world for happiness, and uh, he can't find it anywhere, except in following the commands of the Lord, which is the conclusion ultimately of the book. And he puts this into practice. And you know what? He eventually discovers something, that when you don't make it all about yourself— when you realize that things happen in life and they happen to good people and they happen to bad people, however you want to define that. I mean, I know ultimately there are no, there are no good people, right? That's part of it. We all fall short of the glory of God. And you know, in that context, there's no good people. But obviously there's people who are better than other people, right? There are people who are more wicked than others in their actions. But at the end of the day, we all fall short of the glory of God. And we have sinned ourselves. And the ability for us to take the log out of our own eye, the ability that we can have with God's help. I believe this is what the Holy Spirit does and gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, or the uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit part of it is self-control. The self-control to not get offended when maybe in our heart we are, right? Like inter- internally, I didn't like what you just said, or I didn't like what I heard you said about me. Um, to immediately say, you know what, I've said stuff about other people I wish I didn't say or that I shouldn't have said or that they would be offended if they knew I said it. And to tune our mind in such a way that he will say later, he says, I tune my mind to understand, to investigate and to search out wisdom and the scheme of things and to understand the stupidity of wickedness and the madness of folly. You know, he realizes that there it is completely worth being in control of ourself and focusing on the main things and the things that are the most important thing. The most important thing in your life is, number one, your relationship to the living God and who you believe Jesus is. A.W. Tozer wrote, wrote something to the effect of the most important thought you think is the thought you think about God. That is a brilliant statement because whatever you think about God, it's going to determine how you live. It's going to determine what pieces of advice you take. It's going to determine, obviously, your eternal destination, but it's also going to determine how you live life, how you treat other people, what do you think your purpose is. And if you believe in Jesus, then your purpose as somebody who has been saved, who recognizes that you're not saved because you did anything, because you're better than anybody else, you're saved because Jesus died for you, because he did it. And he took care of your salvation, and you received it by grace, unmerited favor. When you realize that, then you realize that you have a family, you're in the family of God, and you have a purpose. And yes, part of your purpose is to grow in your faith. But the purpose of that, see, if if that's your only purpose, by the way, then the best thing that would happen is what should happen is as soon as you get saved, you should go right to heaven, because you'll never be as grown in your faith as you will one day in heaven. You'll never worship God as well in this earth, no matter how good your worship team is at your church. It's not going to be as good here as it is in heaven. And you will never be as obedient to God as you will in heaven. It's just, 
everything's better in heaven. You have a purpose here. Your purpose here is to let other people know about Jesus, and in particular, to make disciples of those people that God has placed in your life. And I'm telling you, when you realize that your purpose is to make disciples, and some of the people that God has placed in your life are not, sometimes they're not nice people. Sometimes they're people that offend you, or sometimes they're people who are offended by you, and they're in your life. But when you realize that your purpose is to care for them, to pray for them, to invest in them if they'll let you, to love them in a practical way, not just some internal feeling that you have, but to actually say, hey, if this person has needs, I'm going to meet them. I'm going to begin by praying. Um, But if we have an opportunity, uh, if I have an opportunity to serve them, I'm going to do that. Or if I'm on a team at work, or if I'm on a team like a lab partner or something in school, or if I'm just part of my neighborhood or part of my household, whatever role I'm playing, wherever I live, that the way I can serve others is to just do the best that I can with what I have and that becomes your attitude from a discipleship standpoint, then you won't get offended by other people so often. And it won't bother you so much if they get offended by you because your purpose is for their ultimate spiritual betterment. Your purpose and your understanding is that God puts you in the life of those people as plan A for their salvation. That God and God trusts you with that as a ambassador of Christ. You're an ambassador in the life of those people. It's a small number of people, your family, your coworkers, classmates, those people. When you realize that, then you get offended less, right? It's such a good thing to not get offended if you can do that because it gets you past that. It maintains relationships. And other people, by the way, notice when you don't get offended, right? They notice that if, even if they're deliberately trying to offend you, it might make them angry, like heaping burning coals upon their head. But it does something. It breaks through walls. It breaks through so many difficulties that we can have with each other. So think about it that way as you think about your life and you think about Christmas time and maybe just the simple act of saying Merry Christmas and sometimes people get bothered by that. Don't let it bother you. You be you. Represent Christ. They don't need to hear Merry Christmas. They need to understand the Christmas story, though, and who Jesus is so that they trust him with their life. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues in just a moment. You can follow me on social media at Pastor Scott Show. Plus, you can follow our podcast at any hour that you might have missed, the Pastor Scott Show podcast. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the U.S. Use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.